As Sarah and I were leaving Midtown after a meeting this week, I was offering her an elevator pitch, so to speak, of this morning's homily. Well, my voice is a little loud, so I guess I was overheard. And a woman passing us stopped in her tracks and responded to what I was saying to Sarah, and she said, Amen, preach it. Right, Sarah? This is a true story. Sarah can confirm this. So I thought, well, if that's not divine intervention telling me that this is what I need to preach, then I don't know what is. So I'm going to take what was her advice and do just that. But I want to do this by first starting with two theological statements and then unpack them as to help us to understand how these impacts, how these statements impact not only how we understand the how and the what of the church and what it is, but also the why of the church and what it is. So the first premise, premise number one, the Eucharist makes the church. The Eucharist makes the church. In other words, the Eucharist is the very core of the church's life and shapes our identity together. The Eucharist is, in the words of one theologian, the source and the summit of the Christian life. Our life together as a parish family and our connection to Christians from across the globe and throughout history is rooted in the Eucharist, in our sharing together around the Lord's table. When we receive communion, we are being welcomed into communion, into fellowship with the triune God. The prayer for humble access, the prayer that is immediately said before receiving communion from the Book of Common Prayer, puts it well. Through the Eucharist, we pray that, quote, we may evermore dwell in him and he in us, end quote. Furthermore, in responding to God's invitation and hospitality, we are united in communion, in fellowship with each other, with the other members of the body of Christ, both in this place and across space and time. In the act of receiving the body of Christ, God makes us into the body of Christ. As St. Augustine once memorably put it, be what you see and receive what you are. Be what you see and receive what you are. Be the body of Christ and receive the body of Christ, for you are the body of Christ. You see, the key to understanding the Eucharist is not about primarily about what it means. The key to understanding the Eucharist is what it makes. The Eucharist makes the church. Premise number two. The church is the sacrament of the kingdom given by God for the sake of the world. The, Eucharist, the church is the sacrament of the kingdom given by God for the sake of the world. You all know that a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace. Now, to be clear, by sign, we don't mean something that can be easily changed or exchanged or replaced. And what I mean is this. In my pre-Anglican days, I knew of youth pastors who would do Lord's Supper with their youth group at the local McDonald's using a Big Mac and Coke. Why? Well, because the logic goes, the bread and the wine are just signs. They're empty containers that can be refilled and replaced with anything else provided it's food and beverage. But this isn't right, is it? 
because by the language of sign, we mean something more when it comes to the sacraments. In Christian theology, when it comes to the sacraments, the sign and the thing the sign signifies are the same thing. This is my body. Every sacrament we know has two components, the physical object or objects, bread, wine, water, oil, and the invisible reality that is signified and proclaimed by these physical objects. How is this possible that they, the sign and that is, which is signified are the same thing? Well, it is through the prayers that the priest offers with and on behalf of the congregation. Your amen or amen at that point of the end of the prayers is so important because you are consenting and you are saying, let it be so to what the priest is saying. St. Augustine puts it this way. The word, capital W, i.e. Jesus, the word comes to the physical thing, and so there is a sacrament, a sort of visible word. The sacraments are incarnational, the word made flesh, the word come to physical objects. The invisible is made present and visible through the sacramental object. And this is precisely why we treat the sacraments with the utmost reverence and care. They're not Big Macs and Coke, they are the body and blood of Christ not physical objects that are mere empty signs. They are the very thing they signify, the body of Christ made visible, the word made flesh. Now, when it comes to the church, we are what we eat. We eat the body of Christ, and in so doing, we become the body of Christ. That means that when we leave this building this morning, we are not done for another week until Sunday rolls around again. We're not done when we leave the building just to wait out our time. When we leave this morning, we are just getting started. You see, beginning with Abraham and the people of Israel, continuing through to the church, God chooses particular people for a particular purpose. And what is this particular purpose? It is the same purpose for which God chooses Abraham, Israel, and the church. It is to be a blessing unto all people. The church is a gathered community of particular people that meet in a particular place to receive word and sacrament. And in so doing, we are constituted by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. In other words, God has called us and makes us into a sacrament of the kingdom given by God for the sake of the world. This is how the world will know the love of God through the love we have for one another. But we cannot fulfill this God-given purpose without the Eucharist, and we cannot fulfill it without each other. When I was a youth pastor, one of the kids in my youth group came up with a t-shirt idea. The t-shirt said, don't go to church. Provocative, right? On the back of the shirt, it said the rest of the message, which was, be the church. Now on the surface, this sounds like a very profound reflection on the church. And as a young and new pastor, I thought, this is great. It'll shake things up and show the church how it needs to get over itself and puts the past behind it. The days of being dragged to church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, they're an archaic idea from a bygone era. We don't need to go to church, we just need to be the church. I've even heard a pastor recently tell his congregation that regularly attending church on Sunday is not really important, just as long as you're a nice, kind person to your neighbors. That'll suffice. And no, he wasn't being sarcastic or ironic. He was being genuine. 
So our youth group ordered and purchased the t-shirts and wore them proudly. However, it wasn't until a couple years later that I realized how profoundly naive I was and that I was sending the wrong message to the youth group and to the members of the congregation. You see, the sentiment, don't go to church, be the church, is what is known in modern parlance as a deepity. There's your word for the day, a deepity. A deepity is something that sounds profound, but the moment you reflect, um, the time you give it further reflection, it is revealed to be utterly empty and meaningless. This is the kind of stuff you see on Facebook all the time. Facebook is full of deepities. These wonderful quotations and slogans that really don't amount to much. Don't go to church, be the church. It's a deepity. It doesn't really mean anything. And what it means, if anything, is actually conflicting and confusing. And I've seen a similar sentiment of don't go to church, be the church on various Facebook posts. You've probably seen them too. You don't need a building to worship God. You can sing and pray wherever you are, at home, in the shower, on the golf course. It doesn't matter. Well, yes, but not at the expense of going to church. You see, the idea of don't go to church, be the church, while sounding very clever, is very problematic because it suggests somehow that I can be the church apart from the rest of you, that you can be the church apart from everyone else, that I don't need anyone else to tell me how to do church. I can do it on my own. Thank you very much. I can do it in my own way. I can do it in my own time. I don't need the rest of you. Don't go to church. Be the church is nothing more than echoing the individualism or the hyper-individualism of our culture where my understanding of what church is and what it means to me gets defined by me. I mean, I might go to church once in a while, but only if I choose to do so, and only if it fits my schedule, and only if I feel like it. Now, don't get me wrong. I encourage singing and praying in the shower and in the car and on the golf course and wherever you may be. But none of this can be considered being the church. And here's the rub. And it's going to be potentially uncomfortable for you to hear, but I would be remiss as your priest in not telling you this. Going to and being the church is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about your preferences or your schedule or your opinions. We often see this happen in the church when someone decides that they can simply leave a congregation because they don't like the music. They don't like the preaching. They don't like the priest. They don't get along well with so-and-so. But this misses the point, doesn't it? The church must be more than this. See, such a view is nothing more than consumerism. The church exists to cater to my spiritual wants and tastes, and if it can't meet them, I will go to another religious goods and services provider elsewhere that is more amenable to what I want. But going to and being the church is not about us. It is about what God is doing in our midst, forming us into the body of Christ. It's about what God wants to do in and through us as we serve our community. Ultimately, the idea of being the church and going to church is a false dichotomy. You can't oppose the two together. You cannot be the church if you don't go to church. There's no such thing as a church of one person. This might be appealing to the introverts among us. What a wonderful concept. Introverts of the world unite separately in your own homes. The church of one cannot exist. You see, because there is something you cannot do without going to church. You can't receive the Eucharist 
and therefore you cannot become part of the body of Christ. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the celebration of the Eucharist when only the priest is present is prohibited. If no one showed up this morning and it was just me and my lonesome, I cannot do anything. I cannot preside at Mass. If I'm the only one who shows up, well, I guess I get to go home early. No one can be the church without going to church. We need each other, and we need God to bring us together. The church is not a collection of individuals with particular tastes who learn to get along, and when we can't, we decide to part ways. Rather, as the old children's song has it, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. That means we stick together, not because we choose to, but because in the words of St. Paul, we have discerned the body. We recognize that God is at work into forming us into the image and likeness of Christ, that God has a purpose for calling us together, for calling us together. The bonds of affection go deeper than mere agreement or similarity with one another. Our unity is community. Our unity is community. Communion with God and communion with one another. If it's not these things, it's not the church. The nature of what and how the church is, is fundamentally communal. We belong to one another. How else are we supposed to learn to love our neighbors and to love our enemies? You see, church is the community in which we learn to do this. As St. Paul reminds us, fundamentally, we were once enemies with God. But now, through the blood of the cross, we are in reconciled communion with God and therefore can be in reconciled communion with one another. But we need to go to church to learn how to do this. We need to learn to, we need to be in fellowship with one another, even with the people that drive us nuts, even with the people that we disagree with, because how else can we be the church? The Eucharist is the means by which God unites us to himself and to one another. Sacraments are a gift from God. We receive them with thanksgiving, which, of course, as you know, is the literal translation of the word Eucharist, thanksgiving. In giving, him, giving us himself through water and oil, through bread and wine, God is also giving us each other. Each and every one of us gathered here this morning is a gift to everyone else gathered here this morning. These gifts of each other are given to us by God for God's purposes of building us up into the image and likeness of Christ to be a body, a body, not a collection of individuals who choose to be here, but a body given for the sake of the world. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we go to church so that we can be the church. We are the church when we go into the world to serve others and invite them to be part of what God is doing in our midst. We go to church so that we can be the church. Sacraments are gifts given to us by God, as I've said. May we see each other this morning as gifts from God, and may our community always see St. James Paris as a gift from God, given to it for its own sake. May God find us faithful as we seek to learn and to love one another, to love the church. In the name of Christ, our Savior and our Lord, the head of the church, Amen.